Alrighty. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Perfectionist Podcast. Um, today we have Daniel back with us again. What's up? Hi, Daniel. How are you doing today? Currently sad, but well, I'm good. I'm sad too. He has to leave me today in this kind of depression, but it's okay. <laughs> we have Jesus, so it's we'll, true. we'll persevere until until the next time we see each other. Yeah. Long distance is not fun. Um, so today, well, there's one question I didn't ask you last time you were on the podcast. Yeah. It's, are you a perfectionist? Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Yeah. I do have very high standards for myself, unfortunately. It's very bittersweet. Yep. Yep. This bump. Boop. So today, um, this past week, I've been kind of in John, and John 17 specifically, this stood up to me. It took several days to kind of go through it and dissect it. And so I figured, why not just share it with the world? We're going to touch on a couple things in this passage, including Christ praying for us and his prayer for unity for the believers. I think that's something that we really need to focus on in the church as a whole, um, what the capital C. So I'm just going to read this whole passage because it's a prayer right before Jesus gets arrested. Um, and it's after he's been talking with his disciples, they've gone and he's just praying over them and he's praying over all believers. And it's a really cool, fulfilling passage. And I highly recommend you guys study it. So it's John 17 and I'll be reading out of the NIV, um, it's a decent version. I don't think there's any heresy in it. (laughs) Um, so start. There's not any heresy in it. (laughs) John 17, 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Continuing in verse 6, I have revealed you, you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the word that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None, none has been lost except the one doomed for, to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, 
I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they, too, may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That's a long passage. It's full of a lot of stuff. Do you have any thoughts right off the bat? All that just kind of jumped out at you or from previous studies? I'm sorry, I'm really tired. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few things that are sticking out to me um, initially. There is the fact that I believe it was, yeah, verse 16 or 15, 16 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Verse 16 says, they are not, oh, they are not from the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them and sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Um, that passage specifically, I think, I love the fact that Jesus just makes a, a very clear distinction that just as he is not of the world, neither are those who believe in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's like expounded on in other places in scripture. But I think it's really cool that like before Jesus is departing, he is to the father just making that, I guess, that confession that like those that he has come and been given being his 12 disciples, um, minus Judas, I guess, <laughs> but they are not of the world. And I love that he prayed that basically to establish that before he, his departure to heaven, um, for the disciples sake. I think that's really cool. And I think that's a really, a really great reminder for us to remember even now, as we continue ministry here on this earth, that like this earth is such a temporary place. We're not, mm-hmm. our identity is in heaven. Our, our, um, our citizenship is in heaven. That's what I was yeah. thinking about. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, and also just the fact that, like, two times, I think it's verse 21 and 23, 21 and 20, yeah, and 23, Jesus basically asks for complete unity between the disciples, just as there is unity between Jesus and the Father himself. And in that unity, the world is going to see and believe that Jesus sent the disciples and that their love is true. I think that's, man, it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. Yeah, there's definitely something to... He touches on unity a lot here. Um, also, so it's a prayer for protection. Um, yeah, he prays for unity a lot. And I feel like that was the one thing that jumped out at me. Uh, when I first read this and then when I read it over again to start getting ready for this podcast, um, what are some ways that the church can, like, be more united what are some ways you see that we as christians can fulfill this prayer and can like strive for this that christ is praying over us because he's not praying for just these disciples he's also praying for those who believe through their message 
And so that would be us. He's praying that we will be unified. What are some ways that we can get there? Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm no expert, right? But I, I, from what I've seen um, personally, I know that oftentimes pride takes a really big point, a really big part in the body. Um, and that oftentimes comes out in trying to prove like supremacy or superiority of, of knowledge or doctrine or theology and oftentimes that can take away from the real true content of what our faith is. Um, and I think that is seen a lot of the time between different denominations. It's even within this, with, within, sorry, it's even seen between like the whole Calvinism versus Arminianism debate, which is mm-hmm. ongoing um, and will probably continue on. But I think, I think in order to really like keep unity as our focus, we just have to really remember the truth of the gospel. And mm-hmm. and get rid of our pride. Like if we are if we're cons- if we are to actually live in such a way where we consider others to be more significant than ourselves, uh, like Philippians says, then I think I mean I think as a natural result cons- and a consequence of that we will become more united as a body of Christ, as yeah. a body of believers. Like it's not about proving yourself right. You know, it's not about proving that you're smarter than other people in your biblical knowledge. It's about pointing people back to Jesus mm-hmm. and remembering that he is the Lord. He's the one that we all collectively love and collectively serve as a body. He's the one that unites us all. Yeah, I agree. And um, I can't remember the passage, but somewhere Paul is talking to a church and he touches on unity and it all, if you can at all, keep the peace. Do you mm. remember what passage that would be? I don't remember. That's in there somewhere and I can link it in the show notes too. Um, but Unity is, like, unity and order are just a common theme throughout the whole Bible from creation to even the end times and Christ's return, Mm -hmm. that unity and that order. And so when we are apart from each other and fighting and quarreling, we lose that unity. And that's just scary because, like, Christ, he's begging for it here in this scripture and he's begging for us to have unity. And it just kind of makes me sad. Like, I wonder how hurt he is when he looks down and sees us fighting over just silly things like what songs to sing in church, should there be mm. drums, carpet colors, and stuff like that, yeah. when in actuality, and the world sees that as well. It's true. And uh, personally, from, from my witnessing to people um, who are outside of the church, like, one kind of one kind of commonality that I see or argument against the church is like, man, like you guys don't even, you guys aren't even, um, aren't even united. Like you guys aren't even living out the love that you claim to confess. And so like, why should we believe that same kind of thing if you guys aren't doing it yourselves? Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so fascinating. Like that's why the church is labeled as hypocrites. Or that's a really big part of Mm -hmm. why the church is labeled as hypocrites nowadays because we're not even living the things that we preach very often. Yeah. Um, and that's a generalization. I mean, there are plenty of people who love Jesus and who are actually living, li- actually living that out. Um, mm-hmm. But when people look at the church, they see that disunity and that discord. Yeah. It shouldn't be there. And that's like most people, when they look at the church or just think of the church, that's what they see now. It's like it's the first picture that comes to their mind is that discord and hypocrisy rather than like a safe loving place that is a light. They don't see that light anymore. They just see, oh, that's a bunch of legalistic, hypocritical people. And that's really sad. So, 
Are there any other things in that passage that you saw that you'd like to touch on? Um, one other thing that I, I've kind of noticed, uh, I didn't really get the chance to study this passage too, too much uh, today prior to recording this, but one thing that I see is that Jesus is basically exemplifying and outlining the unity that he has with the Father, uh, which I think is really fascinating. Like, because he's asking, he's asking for the same unity that he has with the Father to be displayed between his disciples and between the church. Um, and I think, I just really love the fact that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already exemplified or lived mm-hmm. out himself. Yeah. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the epitome of a servant leader. Yeah. And I highly recommend that you guys go and study it yourselves. And there's a lot of other really cool topics that you could hit on in this passage. But if we did all of them, we'd be here all day. And I don't think y'all want to listen to us talk all day. So um, basically, we leave y'all with this encouragement. When you are going out in the world and we are, when you are doing your day-to-day activities, keep in the forefront of your mind, is this exemplifying Christ's unity? And is this what he prayed for. He prayed for unity. And so the next time you want to get upset with somebody about doing something wrong, the next time you want to start an argument, is this going to start unity? Is this going to, is this something that's going to ultimately bring people closer to God? Because there are some things that you need to talk about, you need to discuss that are hard topics, but in the end, they will ultimately bring unity. And then there are some things that you can discuss for days. And in the end, it just brings discord and I mean sometimes you can't avoid topics and you can't avoid that but there I think there are a lot more times that we can strive for unity in areas yeah are there any words of encouragement you'd like to leave um yeah uh one word of encouragement that I have is at the end of the day like there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with debating theology because I mean I think in a way that draws us that draws us to a deeper knowledge of Mm -hmm. Jesus and it draws us to a deeper knowledge of the faith that we believe. So there's nothing wrong with debating theology or, or biblical ideas, mm-hmm. but that cannot be the focus. Uh, exactly. Ultimately, it needs, to, it needs to continue to build us up as a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if there comes a point where any of you are debating someone else, like, and it starts out in good fun, but it's kind of starting to get heated. If it's starting to cause division, then I just encourage you to remember the fact that we're united in Jesus, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I don't think theological debates or anything like that should be should be like off limits or taboo or whatever. I just think yeah. that there needs to be caution and a remembrance that ultimately it's Jesus who brings us together. Yeah, I agree. And one other thing on theological debates, um, always try to go into it with an open mind that you don't know everything because nobody knows everything about the Bible and about theology. So next time you go into a debate or a discussion, go in with an open mind and try to understand the other person's point of view. And you may learn something that you didn't know before. And so if you go into that with that mindset, rather than I know I'm right and I'm going to prove that I'm right, then that creates a way for a lot of unity and for a really good, fruitful discussion rather than an argument. I think there's a big difference between debating and arguing theological topics. I agree. Uh, fun, I mean, quick antidote, antidote, anecdote. Me and one of my really, really good friends who like constantly talk about Jesus and stuff, him and I debated Arminianism and Calvinism for literally like three days. Like we, 
we would wake up, talk about it literally the whole day, like from, from scripture, obviously, um, and, uh, and sermons and things like that and different viewpoints in Old Testament, New Testament, whatever, for days. And at the end of like the three days, we could not, we still could not see eye to eye and that's okay. But literally at the end of it, we just say, you know what, man, this is not a salvific issue. And so we can't get, we can't get hung up on it. Yeah. And Yeah. <laughs> We still don't see eye to eye, <laughs> and we probably may never, and that's fine. But there's no hard feelings not at all. you for it. Not at all. And I think that's great. I think it's healthy to have those discussions. I think so, too. Because, like, I would say you learned a lot from that. Oh, yeah. Didn't you? Yeah, and it challenged me to read read God's Word a lot more mm-hmm. and, like, to just know it better for myself. Yeah. So, yeah, keep Jesus as the end goal. Amen. All right. Do you want to pray over us? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Lord God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you're a God who exemplifies unity, Lord, and who uses unity um, really to display your love to the world. I pray that you would help us to to display unity and for every single listener who's listening right now um, to keep you as a priority in each of their relationships, um, both with other believers and with non-believers, Lord, I pray. I pray that the unity that they that they have as a result of loving you and seeking you first, I pray that that unity would display your love to those around them, Lord, and that as a result, that that would give opportunities really to just evangelize and tell people about about Jesus and the love that Jesus has for us and what he did for us. Uh, Lord, I pray this all in your name, and I pray just peace, Lord, and I pray um, I pray for protection over every single person who is hearing uh, this podcast right now, Lord. Be with each and every one of them. I pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. Oh, yeah. It's a blast. And if y'all, again, have any topics that you want to hear covered or any scripture, then just let me know. Thank y'all for coming. Stay tuned for new episodes. Bye. Bye.